Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. We've got Michael Miller here today, and he brought a team up. He's planting a church in Denver, and uh, he brought some of his team members up. This has been a long time coming. I mean, you, you've already been part of one church plant there, and, uh, and that's going well, and now you're doing another one in Denver, and that's a big place, man. So uh, we're excited that you're just taking, having faith to, to extend the arms of Christ and his love in that place in the hearts of people. We got to hang last night with he and his team over at the Woodrow's. Don't tell them. We broke in their house, and, you know, it's big, and we got room. So I did, I did you know, he's got one of those little things on his doorknob, uh, I mean on his door. You push the button, and it messages your phone. Steve, I don't know if you could hear what I said last night, but I left him and Michelle a message while they were traveling. You know, I'm right there, so me and my wife, it was, I didn't get a reply, so I don't know if that got through. But you too can go by his home this afternoon and leave him a message on his door. I'll give you the address at the end of the service. Uh, but man, we're so glad. Come on up, brother. We're so glad that you're here today to uh, lead us and, and uh, bring God's word to us. It's awesome. Would you give Michael a hand? Thanks, brother. Thank you. I'm going to let you take it away because you might want to pray at the beginning of your message. Sure, yeah, yeah. I guess I could do that. <laughs> you know, praying is never bad. I'm going to hopefully grab this. I've been working out, so maybe this will... Yeah, I can still do this. Oh, how's everybody doing this morning? It's fun being back up here. You, uh, you happen to live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Don't know if you knew that. Uh, you're really suffering for the gospel out here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, well, actually, I'll pray and then I'll, I'll just kind of dive in, give you a little bit of my story and tell you what we're doing. And, and hopefully I'll be preaching to you and not at you. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this community. Um, thank you for the family this has been for, for my wife and I. Um, some feedback. I'm going to step back here. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. Uh, I just ask that you bless this time. Um, yeah, would you cause uh, in this message whatever it is that you desire for this community and those who are watching online, um, whatever you desire for them to hear, uh, would you bring conviction on that part of the message? Uh, your word says that, that your word is like a hammer that shatters the rock. And so would you do that today? Would you, when, in the reading of the scripture and in the teaching of the scriptures, let it be like the hammer that shatters the rock? We ask for your blessing and for your kingdom to come uh, and cause an advance of that kingdom this morning. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, just a little bit about myself. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. You will hear my, my drawl. Uh, went to, to University of Texas A&M and have lived in Denver, Colorado on and off for about the past five years. Uh, didn't grow up in a Christian home. About the age 15, uh, I went on a church retreat to a place called Pine Cove. Any of you ever heard of that? Pine Cove, some of you Texans in the room. Uh, went there for the girls, got the uh, gospel offering, thought I'd get that too. Um, didn't really know what that meant to give your life to Jesus, but I, I prayed a prayer for sure when I was there, and then uh, would continue to pray over the next couple of weeks, mostly praying for, for God to give me money and give me a girlfriend. And then when that didn't happen, I stopped praying. Uh, and then uh, 
a buddy of mine I used to get real drunk with gave me a Bible. Uh, he had gone on a, a choir trip with a, with a school choir, and a girl that lived down the alley from me preached the gospel to him. And he gave his life to Jesus and, and came back and just was like, no, I don't party anymore, and gave me a Bible. Now, I had never read a Bible. I didn't know what was in a Bible. Uh, I literally thought the Bible was a book of, like, ancient spells and secrets. And so when I got it, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, and it was one of those Bibles that had the Psalms and the Proverbs and the New Testament. I didn't even know there was an Old Testament. Somebody had to tell me I was missing half the Bible. Uh, And so I took that thing home. I was so scared of what my family would think. I would hide it in my desk. And then when everybody else would go to bed, I'd get out a flashlight and I'd start reading it in my room. And I would memorize some of the Psalms. Uh, nobody had to teach me to do that. I started doing that because I thought it'd be really impressive for the girls. And then uh, I would read the Gospel of Matthew, which I just, I loved. It read like a science fiction book. You know, this Jewish guy goes around and does miracles, but this isn't fiction. Like, people believe this is real. And so I was just fascinated by it. Um, uh, I would uh, really become a Christian because of that, and I would lie to my mom every week. Uh, yes, that's right. I was a Christian who lied to his mom every week. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting way of following Christ. Uh, but it was, it was because I would um, spend the night at my friend's house every Saturday night. I wouldn't tell her why I really wanted to spend the night there. But I had two different friends that went to the same youth group on Sunday mornings. And so I wanted to go to church on Sundays, but I didn't want my mom to know that. So it was always about just crashing at their house that night because they were doing something. Uh, and so every morning I get, I get to go to church with them and, and just love that. And that's, that's really how my walk with Christ began, was in community. Um, and so today's message is largely about that, like what is the church and, and why the church. I've titled the message, Hope in the Church, God's Plan for Redemption. I really do believe that God, the, the creation of the church, this entity, this, this mystical union with one another and with Christ, is God's plan for redemption of this world. Um, today we, we experience all kinds of problems. Um, things have gotten very heated in our country. Uh, I would say politically we're on two sides of a spectrum and nobody can seem to have a conversation with one another and get along. Um, we've got issues of race that have really been highlighted in the media that have just been both tragic and heartbreaking to watch. Um, I mean, there is any number of hot-button items that we can talk about. And, and, you know, if you watch the news, they never give you much that's good. It's always bad news. And and I'm here to say that Jesus does have an answer for that. And and I really do believe it's in this thing that he called the church. That his redemption plan in him is the, the church. And so you guys have been doing a series called Hope About the End Times, and I'm here to share with you the hope that Jesus has in the church and the end times. So uh, I want to start by reading a passage of scripture. We're going to, I got a few different passages we're going to go into, uh, Acts 1 and Acts 2, and then 1 Corinthians 12 will be the main, main text today. So if you could join with me, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, I'm going to read that, make a little comment, and then go into chapter 2. Turn in your iPhones, Acts chapter 1. That usually gets a laugh. What's wrong with you guys? Yeah, you're, not, you're not allowed to laugh, apparently, too. You're, oh, you're not allowed to cell phones in church? Is that, that's a new thing, huh? Oh, well, good for him. I should do that. You hear that, guys? Yeah, <laughs> all of them have their phones out like, you yeah, sure do. This is the, the rebellious church I've been discipling here. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While he was with them, he declared, and this is Jesus speaking, 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? He told them, you are not permitted to know the times or periods which the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This will be the main purpose of that power, so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the farthest parts of the earth. So God's redemption plan is to take these young disciples, pour his spirit on them, and then send them into the earth and all the nations to continue the work of the gospel and spread the gospel of the kingdom. Now let's go over to uh, Acts chapter 2. So I mentioned that, that this is God's plan for redemption. You want to know how God is going to deal with the issues of race in our country and in the world? It's right here. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a, a sound like a violent wind blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were see, sitting. And tongues spreading out like fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem. When this sound occurred, a crowd gathered and was in confusion because each one of them was hearing them speaking in his own language. Completely baffled, they said, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, uh, Pontus in the province of Asia, uh, I can't pronounce these words, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. And we hear them speaking in our own languages, speaking about the great deeds that God has done. All were astounded and greatly perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? It says that 3,000 people came to belief in Christ. Now there's a lot here. Luke's the author of... Uh, of Acts, and Luke will be intentionally making some very theological and historical points, uh, points about the end, end times specifically, uh, about what God is doing with the races and with the nations. Uh, so in this, he's going to list off all of these different nations here, and this great miraculous thing is going to take place, uh, and it's specifically timed. At this time in Israel, uh, for the, the holiday of Pentecost, people from all of the surrounding nations that were Jews, that had been sort of dispersed abroad, would come back to Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday. A big pilgrimage for many. And uh, when Luke points this out, he's going to list off these nations in, from, in order from east to west. Now, how many of you know the scripture that Luke is alluding to from the Old Testament when he, when he quotes this. Does anybody know? What is actually, the outpouring, uh, the, the, the thing with tongues, what is this all pointing to in the Old Testament? This isn't rhetorical, I'm asking you literally. What, what, what passage in the Old Testament is he referring to? Huh? Joel, yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely. And he'll even quote that here in, in, in his sermon, Peter will. What else? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, cheater. 
You can't see what I'm thinking about you right now. But. Uh, the Tower of Babel. So in, uh, in Genesis 10 and 11, the story of the Tower of Babel is told. In Genesis 10, the author of Genesis is going to mention off a bunch of different nations, and he's going to put it in a specific order, from east to west. And in it, he's going to name the exact same regions of the world that Luke will mention, in the exact same order, from east to west. Now, the names have changed over time, but it's still talking about the same places in the world. Luke is not doing this by accident. He's wanting the reader to know this is an overturning of what took place in Genesis 10 and 11. So in Genesis 10, the author will list off the nations of the world. And in Genesis 11, he's going to talk about how those nations came into existence. How these races, these different languages all came into play. And it was this event called the Tower of Babel. You see, these, these, in Genesis, we're told that, that man, or God had made man in his image, and they were supposed to be gardeners, right? They were supposed to extend Eden into the rest of the world. This paradise is supposed to be uh, brought forth. God is going to extend his rule, his kingdom through mankind. And then, obviously, the fall happens, and, and then he still, it kicks him out of the garden, but he still says, you're going to be my image bearers. You're going to tend to my garden. You're still going to extend my rule across the face of the earth. And so, multiply, fill the earth. But you know what they do in Genesis 11? They gather together in one place, and they start worshiping the heavens. They try to build a tower that reaches the heavens. And so, God, as an act of judgment, and as a way of fulfilling his plan on the earth, breaks these nations apart, separates them, divides them by languages. So here in Acts 2, we find God undoing what took place. In Genesis 11, he'll create new nations. In Acts chapter 2, he'll create one new man. He separates the people. Now he's going to make them one new entity in Christ. They're all gathered from all around the earth. And guess where they're going to go right after this? Back to those nations to share the same gospel that can save all mankind. It is what should reconcile all of us despite our, our language, despite our skin color, despite our nationality, despite our political stances. God is making one new man in Christ Jesus. It is his hope for the earth to bring us into unity um, Paul will make this very explicit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go there. We're going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to skip down to verses 7, and then pick up through there and go through verse 26. It's a lot of scripture. I hope you guys like the Bible. Now, with regard to spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So now go down to verse 7. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. Now, this is kind of cool, because Paul will start off by saying, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. And then later on, he calls them manifestations of the Spirit. So, a gift of the Spirit and a manifestation of the Spirit are the same thing. In other words, how does the Holy Spirit let you know that he's a part of what you're doing? Through gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's how he makes himself known, right? When someone prophesies and it, and it brings somebody a, a word that comforts them, that would make sense, wouldn't it? If it's a manifestation of the Spirit, what's one of the names of the Holy Spirit? Comforter. So when the Holy Spirit manifests through prophecy, what's the end effect? 
people are comforted. That's what the Holy Spirit's up to. Um, to each one is given the, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the Spirit. To another, performance of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. It's one and the same Spirit distributing as he decides to each person who produces all these things. So he's going to keep re-emphasizing one thing. And what is that? It's that it's the same Spirit working out all of these gifts in various people. And how are these gifts given? Sovereignly as God decides. One person gets a gift of healing, another gets a gift of tongues, another a gift of interpretation, another miracle working. But it's the same Spirit working in each person. Now what Paul is going to point out, there, there's some misuse of the gifts taking place in 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, what, what Paul is trying to do is show you that one gift is not greater than the other. That we actually all need each other. He's going to make that more and more clear as this goes on. For one spirit, for, for in one spirit, we have all been baptized into one body. Now this is super cool. He's going to refer back to Acts chapter 2 in this in, in some sense, loosely. Right? He's going to talk about the baptism of the Spirit. We all know that that just took place in Acts chapter 2, right? And so what this baptism of the Spirit did, remember how the tongues were descending on each of the disciples? 3,000 come to know the Lord in one day. Uh, Peter even preaches to him and says, listen, if you believe in Christ and this message that I just preached, then the same thing will happen to you. God will pour out His Spirit on you and you will go back and get to be uh, witnesses to Jesus and to His gospel. So he's saying, by one Spirit, we have all been baptized. So we get immersed in this thing called the Spirit of God. And where we end up, by one Spirit, you've all been baptized into one body. One new man in Christ Jesus. This immersion in the Spirit, this place where you get gifts of the Spirit, makes you one new man. For whether Jews or Greeks, you see this? See the divide of races here? Making you one. Or slaves or free, we were all made to drink of the one spirit. For in fact, the body is not a single member, but many. If the foot says, since I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. It does not lose its membership in the body because of that. And if the ear says, I'm not an eye, I have no part in the body. It does not lose its membership in the body because of that. If the whole body were an eye, what part would do the hearing? If the whole were an ear, what part would exercise the sense of smell? But as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as he decided. So the whole point about the gifts is, listen, one's not greater than the other. In fact, we actually need all of the gifts to be the body of Christ. Now think about how this would work. Uh, if somebody has a gift of tongues, how useful is that for the body of Christ uh, if, if that's all you see? What's supposed to happen when someone speaks in tongues in the body? Someone's supposed to interpret, right? See how God has made us interdependent on one another? In other words, there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. God didn't place you in the body of Christ so that you could do it alone. You actually need each other's gifts and you will not experience the whole, uh, wholeness and the health of the body of Christ without all of the gifts being expressed and, and done in service to one another. Um... 
I mentioned this for, for a lot of reasons, and I'm going to share a little bit of my stories that go into this. Let me just keep reading the rest of the passage. Where did I leave off? Verse 23? No, verse 22. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential, and those members we consider less honorable we clothe with greater honor. And our unpresentable members are clothed with dignity, but our presentable members do not need this. So this, he's talking about like covering your privates. Like the, the, they're still clothed with dignity even though you never see those things or they're not as publicly demonstrated. Again, gifts. Some gifts, they're, they're publicly demonstrated. Some gifts are hidden away. Um, so, uh, so, but our presentable members do not need this. Instead, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser members so that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the mutual concern for one another. If one member suffers... Every member suffers with it. If a member is honored, all rejoice with it. It's the family of God where all of these things are made available. A little while back, uh, I had this, I, I got two stories I want to tell you. Both of them are kind of supernatural and pretty cool. Um, a little while back, I was preaching in a church. And in the middle of my message, I, I felt like God had just dropped this word in my spirit. It was just a thought that passed in my head that I just went with it. And the thought was this. There's a woman named Sally. She doesn't know how to pray. I want to help her with that. So I say, hey, is there a, a lady here? Your name is Sally. You don't know how to pray. God wants to help you with that. So who is that? This lady comes running to the, fo- the front of the church, and she's crying. And she says, you don't understand. My name's not Sally. I'm like, I, I don't understand. Why are you, what are you doing up here? <laughs> she says, uh, I've only been to church here a few times. Nobody here would know this about me. And there's only a few girlfriends of mine that know this about me, and they don't come to church here. She said, whenever I go to Starbucks, I'll order a drink, and I'll go by the name, the alias, Sally. So they'll, they'll call out Sally, so she goes and gets her drink. And, and these girlfriends of mine, they all kind of make fun of me for it. They all think it's funny. And they even gave me a coffee mug with the name Sally on it. Uh, she said, I, I've been going through a really rough time. And I was on my way to church tonight. I knew you were going to be speaking. So I said, God, um, tonight, would you, would you have this guy, uh, she asked for a sign to know that he was real. She said, would you have this guy call me out by name, but don't call me by my real name. Call me Sally. Next words out of her mouth were, I don't know how to pray. Remember the word I gave? I said, there's a woman here named Sally. You don't know how to pray. God wants to help you with that. I just uh, messaged Sally. Her real name's Mandy. I messaged her about a, a week and a half ago just to catch up with her. She had lived in Denver, and I guess she had moved away, but I um, just want to know how she's doing. Uh, since that time, she's still walking with the Lord. Her faith is strong. She, uh, she's even been given a gift of the Holy Spirit. She can pray now when she doesn't know how to pray. God gave her a gift of tongues. Remember how she didn't know how to pray? And that's so cool. You see, this is what happens when the body of Christ is represented. When you have a need, God shows up with this miraculous gift, a word of knowledge, where he quotes your prayer back to you word for word that you didn't even know he was really going to answer. You see, I was, I was a... I grew up in this dysfunctional home. Uh, I was a, a year old when my parents divorced. My dad took off when I was four years old. Married another woman who had six kids, never paid a dime of child support. And grew up with uh, severe abandonment issues. And I mean, you name it. 
But that church that I started going to when I was 15 year old, the one I told you I used to lie to my mom about, I was, later on, I, I went off to college. I was 20 years old. And I remember being, uh, locking myself in a bathroom at a hotel. I didn't know why, but I felt incredibly lonely. And every time I would get around a group of people, that loneliness would shut in where I just felt like I couldn't talk to anybody and I needed to hide. And here I am in a, in a bathroom at a Young Life retreat. And um, I don't know why I'm there. I don't know what's going on with me. I can't make sense of it. But I just felt incredibly lonely. And this thought comes to my head, call the elder of that church. This church, this youth group became a family of mine. And I I called up that elder and he began to ask me a series of questions. And he asked me this one question, uh, Michael, did anybody uh, sexually abuse you when you were a kid? I said, no. And then he asked it again. And I don't know what compelled him to ask me twice. It's probably the Lord. And it suddenly hit me. This is why you feel so lonely right now. I said, hold, hold on a second. Yes, I, ha- I have been abused. It is something that I, I had kept, this, this dark secret of mine, that I thought nobody could know about. If they found out the truth about this, they would think I was damaged. And here I am, and this elder of this church is calling this out on me. And it was that elder from the church that, that helped me get the healing that I needed. You see, I, I, I was this lost kid. There's a Psalm, uh, Psalm 68, verse 6. He says, in the NIV, he takes the lonely and he puts them in families. God's plan for redemption in my life took place in the church. The healing I needed took place in the church. It was that elder who got the dirty details of my past, this deep secret that I didn't want anybody to know about, and brought it to the surface where I could actually get the light that was needed. Um, It was another elder of the church when I started to deal with the issues of abandonment from my childhood uh, and the bitterness and hatred that I had from my father for abandoning my family. I literally would have thoughts of, I want my father to die. And I was a believer who hated his dad. That was true for me. And it was an elder from the church that taught me about forgiveness. He had no idea, I mean, I had no idea that when that elder was walking me through how to forgive my father, how much it would set me free from all the pain that my father had caused me. I was 22 years old when that took place. And uh, about five years later, I would find out that my dad had cancer. They told him he had six months to live. I'd never seen my father since I was four. Three weeks later, I'm on a plane ride to uh, Salt Lake City, about to drive up to Pocatello, Idaho, where my father lived. Walked into a hospital room where I met uh, my stepmother, who I'd never met, my stepbrothers and sisters who I'd never met, and my two half-sisters who I've never met. Terrified and shaking, I walk into the hospital room where I see this man who's been weakened by cancer. And he says, come in, son. Um, first, term, first time I'd ever heard those words in my recollection. He, uh, you could tell he was, we both just started crying and he was a 
probably ashamed and it felt a lot of sadness about how he'd treated my family and me in particular. And uh, he wanted to apologize, ask for forgiveness. And, and the funny thing was, I'd already forgiven him because the elder of the church helped me learn how to forgive. Uh, gosh, this was, I, got it. I did so much better in the first service. <laughs> uh, I had three days with my dad, and then he died on the third day. They told him he had six months to live, and he lived three and a half weeks. But I got the, that time to spend with him, time that I wouldn't have gotten if uh, I hadn't been able to learn how to forgive because of the church. That church took me in. They became my family when I had a dysfunctional one. I had a mentor who became a spiritual father to me when I didn't have a father growing up. This morning I was praying and uh, I, my mentor came into my mind because I, I prayed a prayer that he taught me to pray. And so I just texted him. I got I to gotta read this to you because this was just such a sweet thing that took place this morning. He said, I said, praying for you and Lisa today. I was praying a prayer that you taught me. God, let me want what you want and desire what you desire. That's been an important prayer to me since I learned that from you. I miss you. He said, I pray for you and your family every day. He texted me right away. He said, I pray for you and your family every day. I'm so proud of you. He said, please pray for my writing. I'm, I'm in the midst of a rewriting of a book. I said, love it, absolutely. Isn't that kind of cool? The family of God, my spiritual father. Yeah, I never heard from my dad, I'm proud of you. But the family of God told me that. Um, as we get closer to the end times, says that the love of many will grow cold. And right now what we're seeing because of COVID is uh, what Steve talks up, talked about last week, this great drifting away from the church. See, people think that they, they can kind of do it on their own. And I'm telling you, you're gravely mistaken if you think that. Jesus Christ did not shed his blood and then pour out his spirit so that you could do it by yourself. You actually need one another. In the early church, uh, there was a man who had, had slept with his father's wife. It was just a horrible sin. His dead father's wife. Awful. And Paul excommunicates this guy. And you know what the words he uses when he talks about excommunication? I've handed this man over to Satan. You see, to, to not be in the church is to be in the domain of darkness. That's, uh, there's no separation. There's no like middle ground. You're in one or the other. You're either in the family of God, in the kingdom of God, or you're in the domain of darkness. Like it or not, th that, that is the reality that we live in. But I'm telling you, in Christ, there is redemption in the body. There is healing in the body. One of the, the, the gifts that we didn't mention yet that, that sometimes gets less glorified is the gift of hospitality. But you know what? For me, that was one of the greatest gifts I could have been given because that same church or that same family that let me spend the night at their house every night because their son and them would go to church in the morning, they'd feed me every Saturday night. I mean, they'd feed a whole slew of us kids. We would all crash at their house every Saturday night and go to church with them on Sunday morning. It's one of the most amazing families. And to this day, I, I'm still best friends with all of those guys who we all went to church with every, every Sunday morning. Um, 
because of the healing that God has done through my life and because of what I found in the church, that's the mission God's called me on is to go and plant and be a pastor and to make a home for those who are just like me that needed one. Uh, now, I remember this one family came into the church for prayer one day and uh, they, they just came up to the front where I was praying and they said, we're looking for direction. That's all they told me. And so I knew what that meant. At my church, we always tell people, don't, if you go for prayer, don't tell them everything. Let them just ask God what you need prayer for. Because sometimes God will address the very thing that's on your heart. So they just said, we're looking for direction. And so I pray and it's thought, not some big booming voice from heaven, not an audible voice where the heavens are open and the clouds have parted, just a thought. Michael, they're thinking of changing the school their daughter goes to. I'm like, well, Lord, that's either you or it's not. I was like, if I get this wrong, I'm going to look like a big idiot. And so I looked at him, I said, um, are you thinking of changing the school your daughter goes to? And they both nod their heads and they start to cry. They said, yes. I said, is that what you came up for prayer for? They said, yes. I said, I don't know the answer of what you're supposed to do, but clearly God knows. Otherwise, he wouldn't have shared that with me. So it's going to be okay. See, the night before, they, they had told their daughter, her, their daughter couldn't pass the state standardized test. And she needed some extra help because of a learning disability. And they just told her the night before, hey, we might need to move you to a different school where you can get the help you need. And of course, this little girl is just crying and upset and thinking, all my friends are going to think I'm dumb and I'm going I'm to have to make all new friends. And I mean, just devastating, right? I mean, you know how that is for a teenage girl and how devastating it is for the parents who, are, who, who love this girl and just want the best for her. And so they show up in this, this church, where they need a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge from God. And that's where they get it. See, it's in the family of God where we get what we need. Um, some of the, the things I, I want to tell you about uh, this family that, that's been planted in Denver. Actually, you guys just stand up. I want you all to see who's, who's a part of this community. Um, there's not many of us. We meet in my house. There's about 15 to 20 of us all said and done, but they've all come out here just because they want to get to know you guys. Uh, thank you, guys. And they, I'll make you stand the whole time. But uh, This has been one of the most redempting, redemptive things for me. Just so you know, I know many people, like I, I'm sitting here and I'm telling you how necessary the church is for your life and for your health and for the redemption of God's uh, plan for you. Um, but I also know that many of you have been hurt by the church. And I'm here to tell you, I've been hurt by the church. But it's also the place that's still going to heal that hurt. Uh, and this has been an, an incredibly healing community for me in particular. And I think it's funny because many of you guys have said the same thing, that it's been a redemptive thing in your life, um, which is just such an honor for me. You know, as we've started this thing out, we've talked a lot about what's the vision of the church and that kind of thing. And, you know, I, that was a curious thing to me because I didn't know that we got the luxury of creating our own vision. I thought Jesus already had a vision for the church. And when you look at the scriptures, you find what that vision is. The great commission and the great commandments, right? Love God, love others, and then go and make disciples of all nations. Create the family of God and extend that family into all the earth. 
And so what we've been doing is, is uh, together just sort of praying through what does it look like? We, we, I think we're doing well at the loving God and loving each other part. And we're asking the question now, what does it look like to fulfill the great commission in the community we're in? And so we, we did, uh, one of the guys in the community is incredibly gifted administratively. Um, has a heart for service and serving the community around us. And so we tried to put together a serve day. And we sent out 50 mailers. And, and Shelby and another girl went out and put these mailers in the mailboxes. And it was just a, how can we serve you? We'll mow your lawn. We'll mend your fence. What do you need? What do you need? Just reach out to us, and we'll, we'd like to meet that need. Uh, sadly, nobody responded. Uh, but... Um, that didn't, that hasn't deterred us. And, you know, we'll, we'll, next time I think we'll send out 200 mailers and I think we're going to go to a par- poorer part of the, the neighborhood and see if that makes any difference. Um, but one thing is certain, we are going to do what we can to extend the kingdom and make disciples. And there's, the, the nice thing about being a small community is we're, we're, we're poised to strike. It's so easy to mobilize a, a small group, just like Jesus with his 12 disciples that, that shook the whole earth. Um, so anyway, uh, some of the prophetic history, some of the things God has done for us is he's kicked me out of the nest, which is, he's had seven different prophetic voices who didn't know my story and didn't know what, what God was up to, or didn't know what had been going on in my life. They all said the same words, God is kicking you out of the nest. One right after the next, seven different people say that. And then when we were here at the, the G3 conference, uh, Matt Chandler was the speaker and somebody asked him the question, how do you think the, the, the lost are going to be won? today in our culture. And Matt said, uh, the gift of hospitality and the power of God. We've we've taken that on as a prophetic word for us that we're going to excel in hospitality. And so one of the things I've encouraged these guys is that as we've made friends with people that are not believers, that we be intentional about inviting them into our homes. Um, And then pray for them, power of God, see what things can happen with that. You've been empowered to do those things. And uh, something I need to say is I need to express gratitude and thanksgiving to you guys as a church. Um, I, I approached the elders back in, I don't know, it was maybe September. Uh, I don't know, what, when was it, Brian? Was it September or October 2019? And uh, as I, when I knew that I wanted to, to move forward with planting a church, I've asked the elders here to be our oversight until we have a plurality of elders established in Denver. Uh, and that we would get to be an extension of this family, and, and that's exactly what we've become. What you guys have enabled us to do is to extend the kingdom of God and extend the family of God into the Denver area. So thank you for that. Thank you for the support you've given us. Uh, thank you for the encouragement, the help. And I want you to know that you have family there. When you leave this place and you go over to Denver and you want to get a meal, there's family there that you can connect with. Um, he said, we're going to ex- excel in hospitality. So if you need a free meal, that's where it's at. And by the way, I've grown in my, my ability to smoke a brisket. It is like one of the best things, a little slice of heaven. Uh, if there's meat in heaven, I'm pretty sure it's smoked brisket. Um, anyway, I wanted to thank you guys for that and, and just thank you for what's, what's, what's going on. And, uh, this has been one of the greatest honors in my life to get to do this, to do this with these guys and, and to do this with you guys. So thank you for that. Um, I, I want to encourage you one last thing. If you're not in a church, if you're not so involved intimately to the point where, where people don't notice if you're not there, I would ask you the question, why? 
because I, I guarantee this one thing, you are missing out if you don't have that kind of family. It is God's redemption plan for your life and for the world. Um, another thing is, all of us should be discipled and should go and make disciples. And one of the greatest gifts to me is to know that my mentor is praying for me and my family every day. And uh, it's so important to me that I have others that I pray for. This morning, I, I got to pray for this team that was with me. And I know everything that's going on in their lives, at least as best as I can, as best as you guys are willing to tell me. <laughs> but I pray for those things, and I got to pray for it this morning. It's just super important. All of us have that. We don't, it's not the paid professional Christians that get to do all this. It's all of us who are in the body of Christ. We are the family of God. And each one of you have gifts that others need. So that's my encouragement to you. All right, I'll pray and then I'll let Derek come on up. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the redemption you've wrought in my life. Thank you that you took a lonely kid and you put him in a family. Thank you that you took a, a, just a broken kid, one who thought he was damaged, and you brought healing through one of the elders. Thank you that you brought an elder in my life to learn how to forgive. Thank you for the reconciliation I had with my father. Thank you for my mentor who's been a father to me. And thank you for this family of God you've given me in Denver. I ask, Lord Jesus, you would do the same for every person here. I ask that you would help them discover what their gifts are and begin to use them as good stewards of the manifold grace of God in service to one another. I ask that they would be so intimately uh, involved in their local church community that everybody would know when they're not there and they would miss them. I ask that there, there would be healing and redemption found in this place. I said all of the gifts of the Spirit would be uh, made available here at Crossroads. And I said that you would do the same kind of things uh, with the hospitality, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of healing. Let every gift be made available to those who are in need of a gift. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done in this place. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.